listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates i'm sarah golseth it is monday november 1st it's november it's all saints day it's my husband's birthday happy birthday mr golseth <laughs> um that's right i saw that this morning yes so. and his baptism birthday and his baptism birthday all in one day all in one day all saints day man Big party Wow. It's like exciting times at the Gulseth house yes, today. Exactly. Uh, thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. It is Monday. That means it is Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Great to be with you all. Happy All Saints Day. Is, is it happy? Mm-hmm. I Sure. Happy All, sure. Happy all Saints is. Day. I mean, we have resurrection in Christ Jesus, Amen. our Lord. What could be happier? Amen. Yes. Amen. And uh, also happy because we finally get to dig into uh, your book today, which I'm super excited about. We're digging into, we, we got to chat a little bit about it this summer mm-hmm. in, where were we? Lexington, Lexington, yes. Kentucky at the LWML <laughs> convention. Uh, we got to dig in a little bit to Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration from Concordia Publishing House. Um, but now uh, we get to really like dig in. And just tear it apart, right? (laughs) We are. We're just going to like rip into that. Yeah, I think when I wrote it, too, there was, you know, there's so many more words you could put on a page, but it would be overwhelming. Um, And so the design of the book is meant to be, uh, you know, a look at different areas of our lives and kind of just to open the conversation uh, of brokenness and hope in that area of our lives and how that impacts our mental health. But I'm excited because I think this will give us the ability to add so much more mental health content than I was able to put in the text itself. So before we even dig into the content, um, to borrow a phrase from Sarah, all the words you mentioned, like just putting, <laughs> writing, writing this, what was it like trying to put all the words, um, into, <laughs> into this concept of a book, uh, in order yeah. to share with your brothers and sisters in Christ? What was it like when you're writing this book? Oh, sure. You know, it's so interesting to me because I think God created publishers and editors to reign you in like that's <laughs> one of the gifts the good gifts of god and so he uh gave me uh concordia publishing house and the good people there and my editor jamie and they say forty thousand words and i said oh okay no big deal and then you start writing and you're like forty thousand isn't very much and um so they're really good i think sometimes at recognizing what people can practically pick up and read in a setting, whether you're a reader or not a reader. Um, And so I'm really thankful for that. So when I wrote it, I would say that the manuscript probably was 60,000 words in its first draft, right? So maybe another uh, quarter or a half, I guess that's another half of a book long. Um, And then you bring it down. And I did create discussion questions uh, that will help people process the information and kind of contains some of that content, if you will, that was a lot of words in my mind and maybe only needed to be a question for someone else that's (laughs) reading it to be able to process it for themselves. Um, From writing Bible studies, I learned how to be, you know, uh, not just introspective for myself, my own vantage point, but to help someone engage with God's word um, so that I'm more of a guide. You know, I'm more of a facilitator. I'm not a 
a teacher necessarily. Uh, I think that's kind of a cool place to be as an author when you can facilitate someone's thoughts and ideas um, and engagement with God's word. Mm -hmm. Did you run across any unexpected things as you were writing? Uh, things oh, yeah. that you weren't expecting to, to yeah. realize. Mm, the pandemic. Was the <laughs> well, detail. You know, I, I had formulated this book across a few years and most of my books are like that, where I have ongoing iPhone notes for different manuscripts <laughs> down the road. Um, and so I usually kind of know the next three things I'm going to write on and I'm working on them. And as I pick up research for other things, I'll throw it into the phone notes and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I, when I sat down to write it, it was a very disorganized book for me, which is not usually the way I am. You know, usually I have like very concrete thoughts and an outline structured pretty early on. But for this one, I had lots and lots of thoughts. And no matter what I did, I could not get them into a coherent fashion that someone else could pick up from a bookstore <laughs> or off of the internet and be able to, you know, integrate them into their own life. And so I, by God's grace, sat in a hotel room, actually, I was working on some everyone his witness materials with mm -hmm. Mark Wood, and uh, Sarah Boffman, one of my very close friends and, and writing partners, lived close to where we were going to be. And so she came and sat in a hotel room with me for a day and a half and helped me organize my thoughts. And I'm forever grateful for that. And the next day, I flew back to Nebraska. And then that Sunday, we didn't have church because the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And it was clearly time to write the text. Uh, it became very evident to me that A, I had the time, and B, God uh, was really opening my eyes to more and more ideas of how brokenness was weighty in our lives, that it wasn't just a reality, but that it was heavy. And we, we need some answers for that, I think. Mm. Well, I'm so thankful that the Lord gave you an experience that really reflects my own daily life of not being able to put coherent <laughs> ideas into a coherent fashion that people, others can understand. So I'm glad that you had that experience because out of it came a really helpful book and you dig into brokenness. What is brokenness? Uh, and in the introduction, you give us four ways or realms in which brokenness impacts our lives. Do we want to unpack those this morning? Yeah, absolutely. I like to picture this as circles, you know, on a page. And I don't think those would be called concentric. Help me with the word, Sarah and Andy. You know, if you laid out like a small circle and then another circle that's around it that's bigger and then another circle around it that's bigger and then one more. So that's four. That's helps to have that visual image. And so because it ripples, when you throw a rock into uh, Lake Michigan, if you will, to keep <laughs> it in my own context, yes. or you throw a rock into a quiet, still body of water, especially you get a small circle around that, but then it keeps going. It ripples out and out and out. And so that's the way brokenness is in our lives. It, it generally is one thing and it is sin, but that's not enough of an answer. It's, it's too simple, too small to help us understand these bigger ripples all around it. And so that's why I wanted to outline for people the four uh, realms of brokenness, the four uh, 
concentric circles, evidently, Sarah says I'm yes, correct. It's you're concentric, right? <laughs> right? Concentric circles. It's like a geometric term and that's not my general jam. So it's raised uh, by engineers. Yes. I like yes, geometry. <laughs> I do not, but I'm going to use that term, but it helps us to, instead of when we say to someone, um, well, that's sin in the world. That is absolutely true. When we think of anything that's messy or broken without order or disruptive in life, or especially disintegrating is a word we use in the book a lot. Uh, but when we say to someone, well, that's sin, that often brings a lot of shame in. Uh, and if that's our only answer, it can be very hard because that shame gets so heavy mental health wise that we're unable to basically lift our head to see the work of Jesus Christ. Instead, we get trapped in that concept of sin as uh, my responsibility, my fault, my own grievous fault. And while that is absolutely true, that is not the only truth of sin. Instead, we have the other three realms. And so we start with my own sin, my messy sin, all my messy sin is the way I write it in the text, because <laughs> that's the you know repeat phrase, if you will, in my head um, from when I was young, from the Lutheran liturgy. But then the second one is the sin of other people. And this is often the question we get. And I think we had an episode one time with Dr. David Fleming on uh, uh, something that had to do with this uh, psychologist and pastor, who should I talk to? Mm -hmm. But one thing we talked about was being a victim or being a survivor of some kind of abuse or sexual assault or something like that. And people need to know this particular realm. Uh, who have been through things like that, that not every sin is theirs to hold, that sometimes people hand us their sin. And that is a painful reality of a broken world. And we need some language for that um, because it still needs some confession. It still needs to be brought before God for the healing to be able to be the fullest that it can for our mental, relational, emotional, and spiritual health. But it still isn't only ours. Um, and that's really important for victims to be able to have uh, some alternative ways of looking at that, if you will. Um, and then the third one is what we call original sin. Um, and we can uh, go to like three and four, if you want, after the break, just because those are going to take us a hot minute. I don't know if you guys have any questions or if you're you're ready for a break. Yeah, I think that's a good, a good place to pause because, yeah, I want to dig into... Um, these others, uh, the other two of the four um, ideas or realms, I should say, of brokenness in our lives. It is Mental Health Monday in the Coffee Hour. We're talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman, digging into her book, Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration from Concordia Publishing House. We'll talk more in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live, 
uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday, November 1st, and we are talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman and uh, taking a look at her book, Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration from Concordia Publishing House. Today, we're digging into the four realms of brokenness. I use my hands a lot when I talk, and no one can see that. That's really not very helpful. I can picture it, like yeah. the realms. I can see your hands yes. like going out. Am I accurate? Yeah, pretty much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you have context. I mean, we, we've known each other since college, That's so you, you understand how I like talk with my hands. Uh, <laughs> So we, we've talked about my own sin, and uh, we've we've talked a little bit about the sin of others, um, and, and you you started to dig into a little bit on what that sin of others looks like, or or what are the, um, what are the sins of others like abuse, or when uh, when others hurt us, um, what. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Mm-hmm. What is yeah. that, that sin of others in, in that, that particular realm? Sure. I think this becomes most evident in our most intimate relationships, which is why other parts of the book, which mm-hmm. we'll get to, deal a lot with family, family of origin, mm-hmm. as well as our romantic relationships, um, friendships, things like that. Uh, because we're, we're living life together, so we're going to get more of each other, uh, not just in quantity, but in depth. And so when we know people deeper, we get to know maybe the parts that aren't so pleasant at times or uh, that bring challenges into our life. And so sin of others also really reminds me of, you know, we talked about some pretty desperate, dramatic things like abuse or sexual assault. Uh, Also, there are things like divorce, where so often we either didn't feel like we had a say, like I know that that happens in many relationships and that's really challenging then because as a church we say, you know, we don't believe in divorce. Uh, and then we have these people sitting there who uh, felt like they didn't have a say in that, in their life. And that is really hard to deal with and interact with then what does the gospel do in those situations? Well, it's the same gospel as the good news. Um, and I think this language of brokenness helps us with those kind of situations so that it isn't quite as heavy. So again, like I said, we can lift our head to hear the gospel that is for us in this situation. Um, other things would be even just having an argument with someone. And when someone's grouchy and yells at us and is um, spewing things at us because they had a really rotten day, um, that would be someone sinning against us in many circumstances. And so that comes into our lives and it, it, it does need some attention, but the, the ability to say, oh, things are, are broken, things are disrupted, life is going to be challenging and unpleasant at times, not just silver linings and rainbows and kitty cats, uh, helps us to be able then to get to the forgiveness faster because it's not just about this person and their angst and their rage coming at me. It's about all of us being impacted by sin, which I think helps us move into three and four then, which do get broader and broader. Yeah, let's move into those. Uh, what, what What is the third realm of brokenness? 
this is a real familiar one to Lutherans. <laughs> I don't think some other denominations talk about this as often. And I do think it's some of our best stuff (laughs) that we do believe in original sin. And so we understand that there is something in all of us from birth that is interrupted. If you will, our relationship with God is interrupted because by being human on this earth, we walk around with sin in us. Uh, and around us. And we call that original sin. And I think that Lutherans get this more, like I said, than a lot of other denominations. And so the fact that Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis three had unfortunate consequences. And the Bible is often descriptive, not prescriptive. So when we read Genesis three and the fall into sin, it's not like God is giving us that so that we can do better (laughs) so that we could be the people who don't eat the apple. Like that's not going to happen. Instead, God is describing so often what happens, I think, in our own lives as well. And so that's a really encouraging thing when you read it that way, that God is seeing what we see each day when he presents what happens with Adam and Eve, that he's not blind to that, but instead he still enters into it, right? God comes to Adam and Eve in their sin and says, how's it going? This didn't go well for you. Is there, you know, a way I can help? Uh, Obviously that's an extreme paraphrase from Heidi. Please go to scripture yourself and read (laughs) what God actually said. (laughs) But I do think the spirit of that is there where he doesn't point his finger at us. Instead, he enters the brokenness. He enters the sin of Adam and Eve in, in the moment. And he does the same thing for us. And so that original sin from birth, we read about it in the Psalms a lot. It impacts the fabric of the entire universe. And that's a lot of what you see in Finding Hope. Again, the ripples that I, I hold that sin in my body. There is disease that happens. There is um, aging that happens. You know, I'm 42. Things don't work the way they used to work. That's part of this fabric being torn apart by sin, being in the world and in me. Um, But it goes all the way to the earthquakes in the ocean, uh, the hurricanes, the stars that fall from the sky at times. Uh, All the things that we can think of that are wrong with the world are because original sin came into the world and we are all um, under its curse. Thank God that God enters in like he did in Genesis 3. Um, again, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he enters in and he asks those questions and he comes to help and he dies and rises for us so that we don't live just with that brokenness. Now we live with brokenness, with restoration as our reality um, to come and redemption as our reality today. And so original sin, I think Lutherans also then tend to stop at though. We, we stop at that third realm of brokenness. So again, when we're talking to people who are suffering and struggling with challenges caused by sin in the world, then that word sin still has a lot of weight for them. It's very challenging uh, for them to be able to come to the belief that things are restorable. So I think the language of brokenness helps us get to restoration a little more clearly. Um, and that's why I wanted to dive into realm four is to get to another version of that. All right, bring us to realm four. <laughs> 
<laughs> it sounds so like Lord of the Rings. It, it, it sounds like a movie. Or, yes. It like a, you're now <laughs> entering the fourth realm. <laughs> the fourth realm is time. Um, so I'm just going to read you the little passage from the, the book, uh, Finding Hope, so that I can say it the most clearly. But the fourth realm, and finally, the broadest brokenness, our internal awareness of the cracks in the whole structure and awareness of all that is broken inside of us and around us is also a consequence of that first fall. We can categorize this awareness under original sin, of course, but I think it serves us well to acknowledge it separately too. There is a heaviness to life, a weight that wasn't there before sin came in. It reminds us that it wasn't supposed to be this way and whispers inside of each of us, there must be something more. And so in this way, this piece of brokenness is not only sin alone, it is the awareness that gets us to our need for Christ and our ability to see him in front of our faces. Um, you know, I think that if all we stop at is sin, uh, we don't, we don't think that that has any good in it because sin doesn't have any good in it. Instead, this fourth area of brokenness does hold some of that goodness, if you will, of God, the, the bridge that God is designing and creating in his salvation narrative. And so it is a little different than my sin, your sin and original sin. So what happens when we ignore these concepts and kind of uh, don't want to acknowledge that there is this brokenness that, that does affect all of us in these four realms. Yeah, that's something we dove into at LWML, and that's what comes to mind right now is that visual image that we captured at the Lutheran Women's Mission Conference this summer about the bricks in our backpack, that we all have stuff in our lives. We all have that weight our sin, other people's sin, original sin, and our awareness of all of it, that this is not quite right. Um, and we carry that around with us. And I think we want the easy answer to be Jesus is, Jesus is with us. And so he holds that backpack for us. Uh, and that is true and also not quite true. He does. His death and resurrection lifts all of that from us. At the same time, until he comes again, we still do carry some of these things. And so we daily, daily and hourly and moment by moment need that awareness then of his presence in our life and his healing of the brokenness and his ability to restore things so that the weight isn't quite as heavy. And as far as mental health goes, that's where it, the rubber hits the road. I think we see uh, so much impact of that weight and anxiety I mean, in sadness and depression and the hopelessness that comes in with suicidal thoughts, uh, just a lot of uh, components that happen in our mental health from that weight when we have nowhere to put it. Hmm. So we have just a, a minute or less than a minute to wrap up today. Uh, so now we've, we've taken a look at the four realms of brokenness. Next week, we'll dig into the first chapter. So we've only gotten through the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the goal, right? These are kind of concepts that need to be 
taken over time. You know, I don't think that brokenness is something that's like light dinner conversation. (laughs) Instead, it's good to take our time with it and to dive in. And I just encourage the listener to pick up a copy or you can look on my website, HeidiGaiman.com. There's some introductory stuff for it there too. And a video you can watch from CPH. And that might be really helpful in being able to process these very heavy theological concepts about who God is and what that means with brokenness, as well as mental health concepts of brokenness and hope. Don't forget hope. That's the good stuff that comes for us. That's the name of the book, right? <laughs> finding hope. Right. Finding hope, not finding brokenness. Certainly. <laughs> Digging this Heidi Gaiman. Thanks so much for joining us for the Coffee Hour this morning. Thanks for having me. See you next week. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.